You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to episode 98 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, uh, as well as Star Wars Episode 9, the untitled Han Solo film, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, and all the other exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? I think I'm doing okay, but I just want to make sure that I didn't travel back in time to January 2013, because I think we're going to be talking about something similar on an episode we recorded back then. So I just want to make sure I'm in the right year. It's still 2017, right? Yeah, to, to quote one of our favorite characters, there's something familiar about this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this this place that we're in as far as news being announced and whatnot. Um, So yes, I'm sure you've probably all heard the big news by now, but we'll just jump in and start right with this, um, especially because there hasn't really been a whole lot of Last Jedi news lately. Um, But we'll get to that in a second. We're talking about episode nine first. Um, You know, last week we talked about the, uh, the big shakeup and the change of directors Colin Trevorrow was out and we were debating you know discussing speculating on who might take over well now we know uh that uh J.J. Abrams has officially been brought back to replace uh Colin Trevorrow as the director of Star Wars Episode 9 and to uh close out the trilogy that he started so um yeah big you know big news there uh not really surprising that they would want to go with him i mean obviously he's a safe choice because you know he directed the force awakens and that made disney billions of dollars so um i don't think it's a big surprise to anyone that they would want him back but he also you know i don't know it's maybe a surprise just in the sense like we weren't sure if he was going to be busy with other projects if he was interested in coming back um i mean when he got hired to do episode seven i was thinking he might stay on for the whole trilogy so the fact that he didn't i thought oh maybe he just wants to be one and done so um i mean i guess it was a little bit of a surprise to have him come back around again um and i know a lot of people were you know hoping for ryan johnson and you know he would have been my first choice too but hey you know i think uh obviously like we said the success of the force Awakens speaks for itself um and uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good choice. I'll, we'll we'll get a little bit more into this, but Tim, what are your initial reactions on that? Yeah, I was 
excited and happy when the news came out. And I'm, I'm glad it came out as quick as it did because it might have been exactly a week or maybe a little under a week when we got the news that Colin Trevorrow left as the director as episode for episode nine. So glad they did it quickly. So there wouldn't have to be all this speculation. And then when Kathleen Kennedy or Ryan Johnson's doing press for the last Jedi, they'd be, you know, bombarded with questions as far as, are you directing episode nine? Kathy, who do you think about directing episode nine? So, yeah. And like I said, we talked about on our last episode of the choices, maybe we'd like to see, and we did mention Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams coming back. So I'm glad it was, one of those two who, you know, we were hoping would be back to complete the trilogy. And I, I even, I even said this before, like before the force awakens came out and we were talking about, you know, potential directors for episode eight and nine, how if JJ wanted to come back for the next two, it'd be great to have the whole trilogy directed by one director. And then I think not too long after Ryan Johnson got announced, we were talking about, Oh, maybe it'd be you know cool to have JJ come back for the last part of the trilogy to finish what he started with mm-hmm. uh, episode nine and that's what's going to happen now and i remember when colin trevorrow got announced part of me was a little disappointed that wouldn't that idea of you know having jj come back and finish the trilogy uh, wouldn't happen but at the same time like i said last episode i was looking forward and excited to see what colin trevorrow would do with star wars but now that it's back to that idea of uh, being closed out by the director who started it all that gets me pretty pumped up for it because um like you said, it's someone that obviously Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm are, are extremely happy with and the success he had with The Force Awakens. And someone who was there at the, not at the very beginning, like, you know, when Michael Arndt was doing the script and uh, before J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan were brought on board. But he was someone who was there pretty early on and, of course, at the start of this trilogy and getting it kicked off. So I think it makes perfect sense to have that same guy come back and close out the trilogy and finish the story for these characters that he helped create. So yeah, it might be like, is that a safe choice? But I think it's a very logical one too. That should work well in the end. Yeah, I think so too. I I don't really think this is a bad idea, Um, but let's, I mean, we've talked about the pros. Let's talk about the cons. And I know there are some people who aren't happy about this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I think we talked about this on our last episode too. Um, and I was kind of giving my reasons for why I wanted to see Ryan Johnson uh, come back and why I would have been more confident with him than I was with J.J. Abrams. Um, just And I, I think really it just comes down to The Force Awakens recycling, I guess, rehashing, feeling so familiar to uh, things from the original trilogy. And, um, you know, I, I know some people who are very critical of The Force Awakens because of that, and I am not necessarily in that camp. I mean, I, I really like that movie, um, and especially, I mean, the first few times I watched it, I just loved it, and it's just, you know, kind of as it's sunk in over time, I'm like, okay, I still, you know, I appreciate it, I really enjoy it, um, I don't dislike the movie at all, but I do have some criticisms with it, um, and a, a Big one being, you know, again, that it just does feel kind of like they we've talked about, you know, J.J. Abrams being the safe choice. And it feels like he made a lot of safe choices in that movie, which, again, makes sense, because when you're bringing back a a multi-billion dollar franchise like Star Wars under a new company with Disney and, you know, making a new set of movies that people weren't expecting and you got, you know, all this weight on your shoulders and all this hype and everything, obviously, there's going to be a lot of expectations and you don't want to fail and you don't want to make something boring but you also don't want to Mm -hmm. take too many chances and um 
you know, polarize fans and have another, you know, Jar Jar Binks situation or something like that. So they kind of stuck with just what was tried and true and like, let's just get audiences back into the theater and reintroduce them to Star Wars and uh, just kind of play it safe for this first one. And it worked. Um, and I, I don't fault them too much for that, but at the same time, I would have liked to see a little more creativity, a little more new stuff and, you know, branching out, um, you know, just the fact that we still, you know, it's 30 years after the original trilogy and we've still got X-Wings and TIE Fighters and Stormtroopers and, uh, you know, all this stuff that, um, you know, it's just so sort of grounded in the original trilogy. And I'm like, you know, cause you already got Han, Luke and Leia, coming back you've got two factions that still very much resemble uh the the empire and the rebellion and you know you could have given the the bad guys some different ships like oh i don't know the tie strikers that they used in rogue one um and you know it still wouldn't have felt too different like people still would have recognized that as a, a star wars feeling you know bad guy ship um but I, I will say, you know, again, as much as I might kind of nitpick over some of that stuff, I mean, J.J. Abrams has come out and said that that was intentional, that they wanted to sort of reorient the audience to what they felt, you know, classic Star Wars needed to be. And as much as I might disagree with the fact that audiences needed to be brought back to that point, it's like, you know, if I if I needed to reintroduce myself to star wars i'll just pop in my blu-ray copy of a new hope and watch that um and then go see episode seven and hope to see some new stuff but i mean again you know all that said i don't think he's going to do the same thing on the force awaken or on on episode nine mm -hmm. um i really hope he doesn't but i mean i would think even as a director you don't want to come back and just remake the same movie again um, exactly. And especially with whatever's going on in the the Last Jedi, and you brought up a good point on the last episode that I had kind of forgotten about, which was that you know when JJ was doing press for the Force Awakens, and he said he had already read Ryan's script for uh, Episode Eight, and he said like, man, my biggest regret in all of this is that I'm not coming back to direct that movie because it you know is just amazing what he's doing with that. So hopefully, you know, even if people are worried about JJ Abrams, kind of being stale with things or like not pushing the status quo enough not you know pushing things enough in a new direction like hopefully at least with episode eight ryan johnson will shift things in enough of a new direction that when jj picks that up with episode nine it won't feel exactly like the force awakens and like a rehash of the original trilogy because you know he'll be picking up the story from a, a new place where there's some new elements in play and he'll at least have that to work with but i also think you know again if you're coming back to this and you get another shot at making Star Wars, like why wouldn't you want to be a little bit more creative with it and kind of put your own stamp on it and, um, you know, I don't know, try some new things, uh, introduce some some new ideas, some new characters, places, whatever. Um, you know, I would think for a director that would just be more fun too, um, especially coming back for your second time around. So I, you know, have I, I have a lot of faith that, you know, he's going to do it justice. Um, and I think just like The Force Awakens, I think at the very least we're going to get a competent Star Wars movie. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, that's the highest praise I would give The Force Awakens is that it's competent. But I think, you know, again, like we said, we, they, they played it safe. It made a lot of money. You know, most people generally enjoy it, if not love it. So I think that'll 
probably be the same case again with episode nine, but hopefully he'll push the boundaries even more and make a, a really great movie that, you know, pushes into some new territory. So um, I am, you know, I, I'm for the most part, I'm happy with this. You know, I would have loved to see Ryan Johnson instead. But again, you know, as I kind of speculated before, I'm not surprised that maybe the pressure of them wanting to make a decision now and him still kind of just focusing on getting episode eight done and not really wanting to have to have to focus on nine already like maybe that was just too much for him so mm-hmm. uh who knows if episode eight is as great as we're all hoping it's going to be then hopefully we'll maybe get to see ryan johnson come back and do another star wars movie some other time in the future um but for now i i think we're in pretty good hands having jj back again yeah and there were definitely plenty of opinions when this news came out as far as JJ coming back, you know, some happy, some not happy. And then others who, you know, just wanted to have the trilogy, you know, have its own unique uh, feel with its director by having a different one for each film. And I get that. How maybe that was a preference that some people had and wanted to see for this trilogy. But um, for JJ Abrams and the whole thing with The Force Awakens, uh, I agree with those uh, nitpicks or complaints about, you know, some of it feeling too familiar to a new hope but at the same time too those don't really bog the movie down for me at all i mean they're just for me anyway nitpicks that i kind of go yeah i know what you're doing there i could have done without that but it's no big deal i mean i still the stuff i love about it outweighs those little nitpicks for me but at the same time i think even as a director and filmmaker jj like you said wouldn't want to do that again for episode nine and you know we're seeing all the jokes already about oh he's just going to copy return of the jedi there's going to be another star killer blaze and all that stuff so uh, i think just from a creative standpoint for someone who's an, as an artist you know just wants to do something completely different not just from the force awakens but the original trilogy stuff too you know really put his stamp on a star wars movie you know have this really be his movie that's just screams jj abrams and one thing about The Force Awakens that which the reason why I love it is the characters. I mean, he did such a great job of introducing these great new characters with Ray, Finn, and Kylo Ren. I mean, they were they were breakout characters. I mean, they were, each one of them were great for their own different reasons and worked so well together. And that's what gets me excited about him coming back from episode nine, because of course they're gonna we'll see where they end up by the time The Last Jedi is over and where uh, the state of everyone's in by the end of that film. But the idea of J.J. being able to finish off telling the story of these characters that he introduced to us and that he did a great job showing us in The Force Awakens, because there were so many great character moments. That movie is a success because of its characters. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that's, you know, reason enough for me anyway to be excited about J.J. telling another story with these characters again. And like I said, you combine that with hopefully him having... You know, the creative juice is flowing even more so for this one to be something truly unique. That could be for something really special. And um, just to the the point to where uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, I was going to say regarding the comparison to episode seven and, and nine. But oh, yeah, that was what I was going to say. Um, just that I'm not going to say that JJ wasn't too enthusiastic about doing the Force Awakens. He obviously was or he wouldn't take the job to do it but he he understood there was some pressure there and like you said that was probably part of the reason why they played it a little safe in certain areas but i think now even more so he's going to be you know even more excited to be doing episode nine than he was for the force awakens he he has a star wars movie under his belt already 
like you mentioned, he was ecstatic about Ryan Johnson's uh, script for The Last Jedi and how he even said, oh, I wish I was doing the next two, <laughs> kind of regretting it a little bit. So I just think he's more excited now to do episode nine than what he was for The Force Awakens. And that to me is just going to hopefully be a good thing for him to, you know, make episode nine, hopefully something truly special and one that can end this trilogy on a real high note. So there's a lot of things to look forward to as positives for this one, instead of just worrying about him repeating himself. Cause uh, yeah, I gotta say, I'd be really disappointed in him just as a filmmaker and a director. If he retreads a lot of the same things with, you know, the force awakens or return of the Jedi as the last ending for a trilogy, because like I said, just from a creative standpoint, you think he'd want to do something to branch out a little bit and not, retread certain waters again so mm-hmm. i'm kind of expecting that not to be the case i would be really surprised if all these you know jokes and memes that have come out since then about return of the jedi part two for episode nine i'll be shocked if that happens because i gotta i want to give jj more credit than that and i think he will deliver on that front so yeah i think for me the pro the uh, pros definitely outweigh the cons that you might be a little skeptical about him returning for episode nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, hopefully he can do like the reverse of what he did with his Star Trek movies, where the first one was really cool and really, you know, new and fresh. And generally a lot of people loved it. And then the second one he caught a lot of flack for retre- retreading a lot of old ground from, uh, you know, Wrath of Khan. Um and so, you know, he, he caught a lot of flack from some people for The Force Awakens for, you know, retreading too much ground from the original trilogy. So hopefully now with his second outing, he'll just take it in a new direction and, you know, just go go big, go bold um, and deliver something really special. Um, but, you know, I, I think kind of even as we've been talking about it, I'm realizing like, yeah, I think more elements are just kind of in play here that I think are going to allow him to do that. Like, I mean, we've talked about this in some other areas too. The fact that on The Force Awakens, they were still kind of figuring it out as they went. Um, the The fact that we've talked about Snoke and how like when they were recording Andy Serkis's performance, they still didn't hadn't even settled on a design for what the character was going to look like yet. Um the fact that, you know, when Harrison Ford broke his leg and J.J. Abrams talked about that kind of being a blessing in disguise because he took some time to rewrite and reshoot some mm-hmm. stuff and that the chemistry between Ray and Finn up to that point really just hadn't been working. Um, and it seemed and, you know, the fact that uh, Michael Arndt left the project so close to, uh, you know, when they were going to start filming and J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan really had to kind of just bang out a script in, you know, a couple of months or I don't know whatever it was um and again I totally agree with you that the the strength of the force awakens really is its characters and you can tell that that's what they focused on because I would say my other biggest criticism of the force awakens it's a you know the the too much familiar stuff and b it's that it really doesn't have that strong of like a a plot You know, like it's and Mm. the way I describe it to people a lot is it's a lot of really cool action scenes and a lot of great character moments and dialogue and conversations and character development and all those great things that, you know, we love to see in a Star Wars movie. And it's just kind of strung along a really 
thin plot that's holding the whole thing together where it's like at the beginning they're like okay let's try to get bb-8 back to luke skywalker uh or get bb-8 back to the resistance so we can find luke skywalker and then like they do that halfway through the movie but then it's like oh r2's got the last piece of the map and he's still asleep and meanwhile boom where did this star killer base thing come from guess we better go blow that up before we figure out where luke is you know and so um you know, I, I hope that this time around we get you know some more um, focus on just you know building a really great story around these really interesting characters that have now been established. Um, you know, give us some more twists and turns and intrigue and you know just cool stuff happening. Um, and but you know again, I, I think he's got more time to set that up now. I mean, he's writing the script with uh, he's co-writing it with uh, Chris Terrio, um, but presumably. I mean, especially with him coming in right now, it's not like they're going to start filming right away, but you figure he's got, you know, a few months of, of pre-production and then they're going to start filming, I don't know, maybe January, February, something like that. Um, so not a whole lot of pre-production time, but hopefully he'll have at least more time to work on the script than they did last time around where they were just kind of left scrambling at the last minute. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I actually found that the Chris Terrio's co-writing with jj was the biggest surprise of this news i mean because like i said we kind of figured maybe jj or ryan johnson would be back but the idea that they're getting a new writer to write it with him i thought was a big surprise and thought it was chris terrio too who right now anyway is best remembered for batman v superman which not everyone loved i don't think it's a disaster Mm. a lot a lot of people (laughs) seem to think but there was a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen i think for that script so yeah all the problems should be that were in Batman v Superman should be laid on Chris Terrio, but um, apparently Lucasfilm likes what he's going to bring to it if they decided to hire him and have him work with JJ. But I just found that to be the most surprising out of the initial JJ announcement that there's actually going to be a new writer on board with him. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, I mean, the fact that it's going to be closing out the trilogy, you know, in in a sense, it's like yes, they're writing the script from scratch, but at the same time, like there are certain story elements and characters and things that you kind of have to work in there just because mm-hmm. of where the story is going to be at after episode eight. Um, yeah, that's and... a good point too, because, um, you know, with the force awakens, they were kicking this whole trilogy off. So, you know, they really had free range to start wherever they wanted to, but now, uh, JJ's going to have to pick up where Ryan Johnson left off, which should be, you know, something where I guess for those who don't want JJ to have total creativity on this one might be, make them feel a little better knowing that he has to at least follow where Ryan Johnson left things off and where to take characters that way. So it's not mm-hmm. total free range like he had for the force awakened. He is going to have to follow a little bit of, you know, a structure that was laid with the last Jedi. So but at the same time too, uh, who knows how much of the trilogy was laid out. And we always hear these things. Ryan Johnson has been saying how like, he had total creative freedom. There wasn't like checkpoints. He had to check off while writing the scripts for stuff they already had laid out. But I just, can't imagine they didn't have certain character beats or moments that they knew they had to go to for episode nine. There had to be something. It's like where Ray's going to end up being. So I just I can't imagine like all this is being thought of with mm-hmm. each movie. So so he might have known that already while he was working on the Force Awakens, and now he's just going to be in charge to getting to that point that maybe he and Lawrence Kasdan had already thought of while working on the Force Awakens. So there's a lot of different variables here that are different for when he worked on the Force Awakens and how he's going to have to work on Episode Nine, which should be interesting to see how it, see how it all turns out when it's done. Yeah, definitely. And who knows, maybe it was more Lawrence Kasdan's influence than J.J.'s that was, uh, you know, kind of keeping mm-hmm. things close to the original trilogy tone in The Force Awakens. 
Um, so yeah, who knows? And and then I don't think we even mentioned the fact that also uh, along with this press release, they announced that the release date is now pushed back to December 2019, uh, December 20th of 2019 for episode nine, um, which we had kind of speculated about earlier. Um, you know, and that was one thing I figured, like, if they were, if it was coming out in the summer, like, there's no way they're going to get Ryan Johnson back for it. Um, and so I guess I was kind of surprised that they brought JJ back, but then still ended up shifting the release date back. But I'm still perfectly fine with that. Um, I've said it time and time again. I am, you know, a big proponent of them taking as much time as they need to get these movies done and, and do them right. Um, do them justice, not rush through it just to have a product in the box office and make a bunch of money. So I think that's a very smart decision, especially the fact that, um, you know, if it were coming out in the summer, it would have been less than two years away at this point, And they're just starting over from scratch with a new director, new writer, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's a smart move, pushing the release date back. And then just the last thing I want to add about JJ too, um, and you kind of touched on this already, but just the fact that he, you know, establish these characters, but also, um, you know, the fact that he's already familiar with the actors playing them as well, that he's, you know, both written for these characters mm-hmm. before and worked with the actors on set. Um, I think that already gives him kind of a level of comfort and trust um, just among the cast and crew that, you know, a, a new director coming in isn't going to have that advantage of. Um, and then also, you know, as we've talked about time and again as well, just the unenviable position that whoever is writing and directing this movie um, is going to find themselves in in terms of you know having to do justice to uh, you know Leia and Carrie Fisher and you know wrapping up or finding some way to I don't know wrap up her storyline pay tribute to the character I mean I still have no idea what they're doing with that Um, but I mean I I feel a lot more confident in JJ to work that out than somebody kind of coming in fresh to the series and I'm not saying that a a new director couldn't do a good job with it but um I I definitely would you know sort of I I feel more comfortable having that in the hands of someone who has already worked with Carrie Fisher on a Star Wars movie before and just kind of knows um you know is just familiar with her familiar with the the story and you know has already kind of had a hand in it so um, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with that, but, um, you know, I think JJ's a, a good choice to, you know, have that responsibility as well. Totally. And I think that all played into a factor of Kathleen Kennedy wanting to bring him back for this, because if they did try to get someone new, I think it probably would have caused the movie to be pushed back even more so beyond December, 2019, maybe even 2020, because what if they had problems with a new director that they hired the same way they did with Colin Trevorrow? And it would just delay things. So mm-hmm. I just think it just made sense to bring someone back who, you know, has already worked on this, uh, this one of the movies for this trilogy. And, you know, someone who obviously Kathleen Kennedy trusts and was extremely happy with, with his work on The Force Awakens. And like you said, working with the actors. That's a good point mm-hmm. that I haven't really thought too much of. I'm just mainly focusing on his how he's going to handle stories and whatnot. But he already shown that, you know, he loved working with the actors and the actors loved working with him. So they'd probably get even hopefully even better performances now that there'll be two movies in as star Wars veterans as mm-hmm. actors and directors now. So yeah, it just makes total sense why they'd go back to him to keep, not only keep it on track and pays for the 2019 release date, but also creative 
creatively also to have someone who's familiar with all this. So it just made perfect sense. Yeah. And clearly he has a, a great working relationship with Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and Disney. And, you know, you're not going to see J.J. Abrams get fired from this movie. Um you know, because the, the directors that we've seen get fired so far from all the rumors and reports that we've heard after the fact, it sounds like, you know, it wasn't necessarily over just creative differences, but it was over how they handled those creative differences and with the, mm -hmm. the director's attitude towards the whole thing. I mean, for example, you know, it, it sounds like they had creative differences with Gareth Edwards over Rogue One, too, or like they weren't happy with his uh his first cut of the movie which is why they went back and did those extensive reshoots um but at least he was uh you know open to that he he didn't kind of butt heads with them and yeah. say like oh no this is my movie and i'm gonna do what i want to do i mean that's what got phil lord or phil is it phil lord and chris miller yeah yeah uh -huh. that's what that got those guys fired off the han solo movie um and then uh with Colin, you know, it just sounds like because we've we've heard some reports about that as well since uh, the last time that news broke. Um, and it just sounds like, you know, obviously they hadn't even started shooting yet, but they were having script issues. And we had heard, you know, shortly before he got fired that they had replaced the writer and, you know, brought in a new writer to write a new draft of the script. Um, and I kind of feel bad for that guy because he was on the job not even you know, probably a month or so before they <laughs> hired J.J. Abrams and a new writer to completely, you know, rewrite the script again. So he didn't last long. But, um, you know, it sounds like with, with Colin, they were having issues just over the script and Kathleen Kennedy, you know, wanted to, to change things. And, um, you know, they were just not on the same page as far as creative vision for it. But then it also sounded like he was just, you know, his, his ego got too big. Um, and I had even heard, like, in the whatever article I was reading, they kind of uh, referenced some things that somebody had said from, or some some rumors and reports and things from the set of whatever his last movie was. And I don't remember, but it was, like, after he made Jurassic World, and that was yeah. a huge success, he went on to make some other kind of smaller budget movie that didn't do very well. I think it was he, called The Book of Henry, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was not well received. And he, no, it got banned, actually. <laughs> yeah, and he went into that basically just being like, and this is, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because this is all kind of hearsay, but, I mean, it sounds plausible um, that after the huge success of Jurassic World, he's like, oh, I'm a superstar director now, so I'm going to come in and do this movie, and I'm going to do it my way, and, you know, this, this, is, this is my project, it's my baby, we're doing things my way because I am the man, and, you know, just, it, it obviously did not work well for the success of the movie, um, and it sounds like he was kind of bringing that attitude uh, into The Last Jedi where, or not The Last Jedi, into episode nine where, you know, again, he's having disagreements with Kathleen Kennedy over the script and the story and whatnot and being like, oh, well, you know, you guys hired me as the director. Like, this is my movie. I'm a big shot, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nope, you're out the door, buddy. See ya. Um, so, you know, hopefully he learns from that. I mean, I, heck, I still love Jurassic World. I think he's still got potential as a director, and I hope this isn't, like, the end of his career or anything. But at the same time, you know, I hope he can learn to uh, check his ego a bit and, you know, be a good collaborator in this process because it definitely takes more than just a good director to make a good movie. Yeah, especially when it comes to Star Wars, too. I think that's what a lot of directors are going to learn from all these director fallouts with Lucasfilm is that, yeah, you're going to have some creative freedom, but it's not going to be, you know, 
like totally under your control. You just got to learn and expect to play ball with Lucasfilm on how they want to do things. They mm-hmm. know what they want. And while they will allow you some leeway and creativity, you've got to, you know, do what they say when it's, when it comes to their decisions and how they want things and you just got to be prepared for that. So I, I think that's going to be, you know, there's always talk about how is Lucasfilm being too hard on directors? Are they, you know, making, turning away upcoming directors? Like they're going to be too afraid to take these jobs, but I just think it's all depends on your attitude. I'm glad you brought up Gareth Edwards because yeah, you're right. He, they obviously weren't happy with some of what he was doing with those reshoots, but he went along with them and, you know, put his ego in check. It looked like, and, you know, played ball with Lucasfilm and still let this other director come on, help him out and get those reshoots done. And there was no issues or you didn't, at least publicly anyway, where when they were doing press for anything, they still had to be under Gareth Edwards that it was his movie. And I just think that's with him uh, working with Lucasfilm and, you know, taking a step back and doing what they felt was best for Rogue One. And in the end, it turned out great. So I just think going forward, that's something that directors are probably going to have to expect while, you know, well, you'll be able to have some creativity in there. You'll still have to play ball with Lucasfilm and do what they say once they really want something done the way they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I again, I applaud them for you know having the guts to do what they feel is necessary to totally. make a yeah. good movie. And I think it's I think it's great to have somebody like Kathleen Kennedy in charge, um, who is you know a an experienced veteran of the film industry. I mean, and not to knock George Lucas, but like, I don't even know if he would do this, but then again, if he were still in charge, he'd still be directing all the star Wars movies anyways. Like, I don't know if he would even let anybody, you know, touch his baby while he was still, you know, had ownership over it. Um, well, it could it be, he, he probably would have said, yeah, I'll have some, someone else direct episodes eight and nine, but then end up, he'll direct it himself. Just like he did with episodes two and three. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the plan. <laughs> but, um, you know, with Kathleen Kennedy, I mean, if she were, you know, sort of a, a younger, less experienced producer or studio head or something, you know, she might not kind of have the, uh, the audacity to just be, you know, firing all these directors at the risk of, you know, attracting bad publicity or, you know, making people worried about, you know, if these movies are going to turn out good or not. But I mean, it's, it's worked well so far. Um, And of course we haven't seen the Han Solo movie or uh, episode nine yet. So we'll have to, you know, see the finished product and see, you know, kind of what the result of all this drama is. But again, so often you see movies where, you know, like a movie might have a really cool concept or a really cool trailer or be based off of really cool source material and everybody gets their hopes up for something like, you know, the Fantastic Four reboot and then it comes out and it sucks and everybody's like, oh, what the heck happened? And then you find out there was all this drama behind the scenes and stuff and it's like, well, somebody should have fired that guy like a long time ago. Um, and Lucasfilm is doing that to avoid having a Star Wars movie come out and everybody go, oh, this sucks. What happened? Yeah, it's, I totally agree with all that you're saying. I mean, I view it as nothing but positive things for these movies. And, and like I said before, when we're talking about with Lord and Miller and Colin Trevorrow, it is disappointing when you first hear it because you want to see these directors' visions and takes on a Star Wars movie. But at the end of the day, you just really want to see a really good star wars movie that fits in line with all the other ones where it doesn't seem too far out there that it's not recognizable as star wars and i think that's what kathleen kennedy is doing when she re- fires these directors and gets the replacements it wants to keep it as the star wars star wars feel that we know and love 
mm-hmm. but yet still being a new movie. So yeah, I take it as positives when it hap- when this type of news happens, where just from a uh, the Lucasfilm standpoint, where you know they're making sure everything's okay and they're wanting to get these back on track. And if it takes a new director or it takes a delay, then that's what it's going to take. They're not rushing through all this just to get it out. So yeah, it's nothing but a good thing that we have Kathleen Kennedy in charge and that she's taking these steps when they need to be taken to make sure these movies get done right. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, sometimes when you first hear it, you go, oh, uh-oh, does it, you know, is this trouble? And then you hear the reports coming out afterwards as to why they got fired and what kind of issues were going on that was, you know, causing tension. And it kind of makes you breathe a sigh of relief and yeah. go, oh man, I'm glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, big news, everybody's going to have their own opinion on it, but I think we're both pretty much on the same page to say that we're, you know, excited at best, cautiously optimistic at least, but I think this is definitely more a good thing than a bad thing. Yeah. I'm definitely in the excited camp. Yeah. And well, yeah, I think you might be a little bit more in the excited camp than I am, but I'm, I'm at least in the content camp. Okay. (laughs) I, I definitely do not have a bad feeling about this. Um, you know, so so yeah, I I think uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be optimistic about it. I think it's a good choice. We are in good hands for episode nine. Um, now moving on to the uh, more current movies, the the one that's coming out before episode nine. As I said, we don't really have a lot of big uh, Last Jedi news this week, except for a brief. Uh, a cryptic no longer existent tweet from mark hamill and somebody (laughs) tweeted uh and said today is a great day to release the new trailer for star wars the last jedi and they tagged you know ryan johnson and mark hamill and john boyega in the tweet and mark hamill replied and said watch monday night football on monday october 9th for no reason in particular and that tweet has since been deleted and then somebody else you know, more recently tweeted, uh, well, they tweeted and said official trailer to premiere October 9th on Monday Night Football. Ryan Johnson, is this true? And they also tagged Mark Hamill in the tweet and he said, I have no idea. Disney will announce when they are ready. So. I think we're getting a trailer on October 9th, Kyle. (laughs) I think that's a pretty safe bet. I mean, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't take it as official confirmation. But, see, I'm torn because, on the one hand, Mark Hamill is notoriously famous for trolling fans and just sort of feeding off of people's, you know, ravenous appetite for spoilers and trailers and leaks and all that stuff and kind of twisting it into a joke and throwing it back in their face. Not in any kind of mean-spirited way, but he just likes to have a little fun with that. So I'm like, he could just be messing with us. Because at the same time, I'm like, he's been on this merry-go-round enough times to know, like, you're not supposed to leak information like that. And I don't know if he got permission to to leak it and then deleted it to make it seem like he wasn't supposed to because he knew that, like, it would still get out there anyways. Like, is this just part of, you know, is this a PR stunt to you know, build extra publicity by making it seem like a leak or something like that. Um, Did he just slip up and, you know, not know that he wasn't supposed to reveal that yet? 
Um, did he just figure, eh, what the heck, I'm Mark Hamill. Like, what are they going to do, fire me from episode nine? You know, because <laughs> <laughs> they it would take a lot worse for them to do that. Um, you know, so, but at the same time, I'm like, so if he is just messing with us, though, like, that doesn't really seem likely because that date makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. like October 9th is a Monday, so we know there will be Monday Night Football that night. We know for The Force Awakens, they released a trailer during Monday Night Football in October. I think it was a little bit later in the month, if I'm remembering right. I believe so, yeah. But I don't remember exactly. Um, but it's like, even if we don't get a trailer on that date, I would be very surprised and disappointed if we don't get a uh, a new trailer anytime in October. So I'm like, October 9th, that sounds like as good a date as any to me. So like, why, you know, if he was just trolling us or, you know, just messing with us, like, why would he pick a date and occasion that makes so much sense? Yeah, I, I, I'll say this. It's either going to be October 9th or October 16th. I, if I were to guess <laughs> somewhere in the middle of October. But there's something about you made great points, you know, Mark Hamill doing stuff like this before. But I don't know if he's ever deleted a tweet before that, you know, where maybe someone took a little too far than what he was intending to be as a joke. The fact that he deleted it to me says that maybe he's on to something where that might be the actual date there. Mm -hmm. And also, too, that he was replying to someone because usually once he says these like joking tweets about that and he kind of starts in himself where he just sends a tweet out and hey check out the trailer for episode eight it's a shot of his trailer <laughs> so, <laughs> it's stuff he initiates so this one where he was responding to someone but then he had to delete it i don't know i don't know if that's happened in uh, his past uh, tweeting history <laughs> as far as doing this stuff so that kind of leads me to believe that maybe uh october 9th is looking more possible than not but at the same time too if it's not it's not going to be that long of a wait until we get the trailer it's either going to be it's going to be within those few weeks in the middle of october i think they're not going to wait too much longer it's definitely not going to be november it's it's going to be october just a mm -hmm. matter of when and i i do think that they're going to follow what they do with the force awakens and have it be monday night football again that proved to be uh very well for the force awakens when they premiered it on the monday night football back in 2015 so i think they'll probably do that again just a matter of when but uh, yeah, it was interesting to see all this unfold because, like you said, Mark Hamill has uh, <laughs> done stuff like this before. But once I saw that he deleted it, it made me raise my eyebrow a little bit more, thinking, okay, there may be something more to this date than Mark <laughs> just joking around. I know he's even sent tweets after that kind of saying, oh, I was just, you know, playing around, giving like giving out a random date out of nowhere that means anything. But I don't know, it just might be him trying to you know, save face or cover up <laughs> something mm -hmm. he wasn't supposed to reveal. So we'll see. It's not that far away when you think about it, less than less than a month. So sooner or later, we're going to know for sure. Yeah. See, knowing Mark Hamill, I'm like, I feel like if this were a joke, he would have said, watch Monday Night Football on and then given a date that wasn't on a Monday mm, just yeah. <laughs> to see how many people would just spread it as news anyways before somebody realized, hey, hang on, that's not a Monday. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah that definitely sounds more like mark hamill style so yeah think. yeah because a lot of us would even think twice to check what day that falls on <laughs> we'll just see the tweet okay it's coming from mark hamill yeah that's it mm -hmm. yeah regardless october is going to be a big month um you know I, kind of our unofficial motto on this show is it's a good time to be a star wars fan 
October is going to be a really good time to be a Star Wars fan (laughs) because in the span of, you know, potentially just two or three weeks, um, you know, we're going to have the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta runs from October 6th through the 9th um, or October 4th through the 9th if you pre-ordered the game and you got the early access. Um, And so that would be ending on that Monday, and I'm not sure exactly what time it would end. Um, so, I mean, that's the only thing that maybe makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit at this is like, would they want to have those two things overlapping and kind of taking away from each other's, you know, spotlight? Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't know that that would make that big of a, you know, that much difference. Um, well, also too, like, you know, more reasons to be excited about October, the Monday after that, the 16th, is the premiere of Star Wars Rebels Season 4. Oh, yeah. Which... No, I, I was going to bring that up, too. I just hadn't gotten to that. Okay. Because um... <laughs> what if that'll be a tie-in together, you know, see the premiere and then you see the trailer. Uh, maybe they'll do a split thing where, you know, you see it first on ABC or ESPN for Monday Night Football, but then later during an airing of Rebels because their schedule's pretty weird this season, <laughs> which we'll get into later. Yeah. So they could tie it in where it kind of has, like, two premieres, so to speak, one for, you know the general like the mass audience and then for the uh, fans who watch star wars rebels have it you know just have it tied in there just another way to watch it yeah or maybe they just want to have the trailer released that early so that then when rebels starts airing they can you know in conjunction with that start showing like the first tv spots for Mm. uh the last jedi during those first rebels episodes um but again either way so yeah we've got Rebels is premiering October 16th. The Battlefront beta is the 4th through the 9th. And then uh, the Last Jedi trailer, possibly on October 9th. But if not, then, yeah, most likely at least sometime in October. So, man, get ready for a lot of episodes from us and a lot of long episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope you're not sick of our voices just yet because <laughs> you'll have hours worth in October. Yeah, um, and it also means that we'll have something cool to talk about for our 100th episode, um, which I'm happy about. I mean, we're on 98 right now, um, so yeah, I don't know exactly which one of those things is going to fall on episode 100. Uh, Hopefully it's the trailer. That would be cool, Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Regardless, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming up next month. Yep. I know September is already flying by. We're recording this one on September 20th. Yeah, so <laughs> it's going to be October before you know it. And bring it on. <laughs> we're all ready for more footage from The Last Jedi and Battlefront 2 and Star Wars Rebel Season 4. I mean, it's going to be epic. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, anyway, bringing it back to The Last Jedi for a minute. I mean, we just had that tweet from Mark Hamill about the trailer. And really, the only other thing has been, um, you know, we got some leaked details here. Um, and Tim, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this one because I honestly didn't read through all of this, but um, this is just some little new tidbits and, and details and stuff about some of the creatures uh, from The Last Jedi, um, specifically some new alien horse thing. Yeah, so this is not technically a leak. It was from a, one of the new books that came out on Force Friday called Star Wars Made Easy. They just kind of had some new reveals in there about these alien creatures. And this is from a Star Wars newsnet who... Uh, posted some of this new information and i just kind of thought it was cool especially for uh the space horse <laughs> that it's being referred to in the book but i think the official name is uh fathiers uh 
probably butchering the name, but hopefully they'll say it in the movie so we'll know how to pronounce it. But it's the big creature we saw in the behind the scenes video, the horse like creatures uh, look like it's being kept in a stable. And there's been some leaked images from uh, way back when they were filming of uh, this creature too, that they had some uh, looks like uh, either animatronics or puppets that were, were used on the sets. But um, what I liked about this reveal is that it's another way that Star Wars is taking, you know, something that's known in our world that's used as a sport, but they're putting the Star Wars spin on it. So in in this uh, book, Star Wars Made Easy, it says for under the category Space Horses, it says they're graceful and majestic creatures. The Fadiers are prized across the galaxy for their ability to run extremely fast. The Cantobite casinos exploit them for competitive and highly popular races. And they have some images there where looks like there's some jockeys uh, riding the horse so it looks like we're going to be getting the star wars versions of horse racing and where people on canto bar are going to use probably to gamble on there so, so do they, they also... call it the Kentucky derby <laughs> <laughs> oh they got to now <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great so yeah there's even an image too where they have the interior of canto bite and some of on the uh, windows there's these artworks of you know it looks like these jockeys riding the the horses so it looks like like the uh bio for them says it's a pretty popular sport on canto bite but it's going to be interesting to see you know how this plays into the actual story of the movie because um spoilers here minor spoilers but we, i think we even talked about this when those dubrovnik leak photos came out but uh looks like finn and rose are going to be riding one of these uh creatures to either make an escape but now i'm wondering if we're actually going to kind of see them in a race, are we actually going to see the space horse race take place in the movie? Or are they going to have to try to win for something? Or are they just going to try to escape Canto Bite, but they get mixed in <laughs> the race while trying to avoid certain enemies? So it's going to be interesting if we'll actually see one of these races takes place. But I just like it because in the vein of uh, pod racing, how that was like, you know, NASCAR races or go even further than back chariot races, but with the Star Wars spin on it, this is something that I like to see continuing in this new trilogy where, you know, taking something that's familiar in our world, but putting the Star Wars spin on it and having it be unique for the Star Wars universe. And they're doing this now with horse racing and these creatures. So I just thought that was pretty cool that it's a continuation of that tradition that Star Wars movies does. Mm-hmm. But then also to that thing on Porgs here and the caretakers and sorry for you Porg lovers out there, but uh, looks like they're going to be, not only cute to some viewers, but also edible on the planet of Octo. Because <laughs> they mention here in their bio that uh, porgs are small bird, bird-like porgs are the island's most adorable inhabitants. Cute, definitely. Tasty, maybe. <laughs> and then you get images of the caretaker. It looks like almost some early drawings of them. I don't know if it's actually concept art or something they just made for uh, the actual book. Uh, but it says uh, there is actually some drawings of a caretaker trying to capture some porgs in a net so like <laughs> maybe to catch them and cook them so i don't know if we're actually going to see any porgs being eaten in the last jedi because they're getting such an amazing response from fans as far as them falling in love with how cute they are and all that so if they show one of the characters actually eating them i'm not sure that's going to play too well for a lot of audiences so maybe it'll just be some type of joke where you know they're eating at the table and the caretaker's serve them a plate and they don't know what it is but then they might gesture to a pork out the window or something and then they get a funny look and maybe ray chewy and they just push the plate back on the table showing that they're not going to eat them <laughs> so it's got to know how they're going to play it but 
it looks like porg might be on the menu in the star wars universe <laughs> on acto so some interesting details there but i found interesting mainly about the uh, space horses and the Fontieres and how uh, they're going to be used in the movie. So some cool, interesting stuff about new aliens we're going to see in The Last Jedi, I thought. Yeah, I mean, heck, if porgs are the only animals on the island, like, you gotta eat something. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they'll taste like chicken. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. They're they're kind of like almost aquatic birds. I don't know what penguins taste like. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to know what they taste like either. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong desire for that but <laughs> then again i mean it's surrounded by water so maybe you can go fishing too i mean they do have a little sketch here or something and it's like a bunch of porgs up in a tree and then you get a couple of the caretakers down on the ground and one of them has a net but then the other one's holding something that it looks like it's either eating or like sucking on it with a straw or something like that but the creature that it's holding doesn't really look like a porg it looks like some kind of fish that it's caught yeah or so, it could just be like almost like a cup that they're the caretaker is drinking out of like if it's modeled after a creature or something or if it actually is a creature i don't know <laughs> yeah maybe but yeah who knows maybe they won't be able to catch the porks because they can fly and they'll go fishing instead you know the article on uh star wars newsnet says like their what their interpretation of what their speculation is that maybe that's like a musical instrument that he's hmm. playing almost kind of like a bagpipe hmm. type of thing so that'd be interesting yeah, maybe too. they're trying to lure him Hey, yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're going to learn the basics of trying to catch and hunt porgs. <laughs> yeah. And then, again, I'm I'm still very curious to see how much of this ends up actually, you know, playing a part on screen in the movie and how much of it is just going to be stuff that we find out in the books or, mm. you know, on the back of a caretaker action figure package or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see caretakers hunting for porgs in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, I mean, on the one hand, it's not something I want to see it focus on. On the other hand, that's the kind of background detail stuff that I would have loved to see fleshed out more in The Force Awakens. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind that too much. But um, anyway, yeah, that's. I guess that's my, my third gripe about The Force Awakens is there's not really enough world building. It's just kind of like, hey, resistance, first order, we're fighting, go. And it's like, wait, how how did we get here from <laughs> Return of the Jedi? Like, we we know nothing. Well, hopefully that stops at three right there. That's all the complaints you'll have. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to add any more to that list. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um, those are those are my three major things. I still love the movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, Actually, no, fourth complaint is that they didn't include that shot from the first teaser of the X-Wings skimming over the water. But that's a minor thing. <laughs> At least that scene was still well, that in there. Yeah. <laughs> the that scene was still in there and though. it was cool. But, um, yeah. I know you'll always agree with me if I complain about shots from the trailer not being in the movie. Yep. And we'll see if The Last Jedi follows suits with The Force Awakens and, uh, the Force Awakens and Rogue One. What's that new trailer? Is? Yeah. Well, I got to prepare myself to time not to get too excited about certain shots that i just might geek out over when i watch the new last jedi trailer yeah that's true we'll see how that goes um but anyway then kind of tying into uh the last jedi um they just announced a new one-shot comic uh called star wars the last jedi storms of crate um and this is going to be coming out uh december 27th it's going to be just a one-shot issue um i guess kind of like what they did last time around for like the c3po thing 
mm-hmm. with the explanation about the red arm you know just doing a one-shot comic to kind of explain more of the backstory of the movie but this one looks pretty cool because this is actually um yeah i mean we know just some of the details about crate that it's uh you know the resistance going there to kind of take over an old rebel alliance base um when they're in need of a new base for themselves um and this is this comic is actually going to be going back in time and telling the story of uh what the rebellion was doing with that base um and i don't know if um they don't specifically say if this is in between episodes four and five or five and six but it I think the says, safe bet is four through five because that's all <laughs> the Star Wars comic is taking place. Yeah, on. well, the only thing that makes me think it might be five through six is that uh, it's focused on just Luke and Leia, and it's the fact that the Rebels... Here, I'll, I'll just read the description first. Um, it says, StarWars.com is, is excited to announce Star Wars The Last Jedi Storms of Crate number one, a special one-shot arriving December 27th, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Wow, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Uh, (laughs) With art by Mike Mayhew. Uh, The comic rewinds to the Galactic Civil War following Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia Organa as they take up arms on the salt-covered world and search for a new rebel base. So I'm like, is this them searching for a new rebel base? Oh, actually, no. You know what? I'm I'm dumb. I was going to say, is this them searching for a new rebel base after they got ousted from their base on Hoth in... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, but Luke still has the blue lightsaber, so clearly this is in between four and five. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they've got an image of, like, the cover art here, and it's um, Luke and Leia in what I think are new outfits, at least new for me, because I haven't been keeping up with the comics, so, Tim, you might be like, oh, no, that's what they wear every other Tuesday and Thursday. Um, <laughs> no, they're definitely new, especially for Luke, because I don't think I've seen him in a blue-slash-gray X-Wing jumpsuit yet, and then like the ponchos that they're wearing and like the flowing cloaks are definitely new that they haven't worn yet. Yeah. And it's, uh, so Luke is kind of standing and it's, they're in like one of these trenches, like we've kind of briefly seen on crate and Luke is kind of standing up on the edge of it, um, holding his lightsaber. And yeah, like you said, he's in kind of like a black pilot uniform with like a, a tan poncho and goggles down around his neck. And then Leia is in, um, you know, her outfit almost looks more like, Padme's from episode two yeah and that is just kind of like an all white jumpsuit with a a belt and she's got gloves and a uh poncho thing also and then holding binoculars and um you know both looking pretty cool here um so I yeah I think that'll be something pretty cool to check out of course I say that you know me I'm I'm way behind on my comics and stuff but (laughs) I always like the stuff that comes out around the same time the movie does and ties directly into the movie and kind of helps flesh out the backstory and the characters more so um or maybe not the characters in this sense but at least the location but who knows maybe we'll hear I mean maybe we'll see Luke and Leia together on crate in the movie and maybe you know, they might make some quick throwaway reference to like, oh, remember the battle we had the last time we were here? And then maybe mm. that's what we'll see in this comic. So um, that would be, you know, uh, kind of some cool backstory to get to. Yeah, it all sounds cool. I just hope it comes out on December 27th, like they say it is. Because if you remember the C-3PO comic, that got delayed so many times. That Yeah, and it wasn't even like, from what I remember, it wasn't like they officially announced like oh the c-3po comic is now coming out this day it was just kind of like it was supposed to come out that day and then it 
didn't and then we yeah. just didn't hear about it for a while and then it's like hey remember that c3po comic that was supposed to come out and yeah by that time it was well past my window of wanting to get force awakens related stuff right around the time of the movie and so i never ended up getting it. <laughs> i remember right. i think it came out when the blu-ray came out like sometime in april oh, yeah ooh, i think while. so <laughs> so yeah hopefully it comes out on december 27th because that would be cool you know a week after the last jedi comes out you'll we'll be able to learn more about Creighton, how luke and leia played into its history so yeah the art looks cool the premise sounds cool let's just uh hope have it come out when it's supposed to <laughs> yeah because you want to have keep riding that last jedi high we're going to be on for a few weeks and keep getting new content that ties into it it's going to you know keep the ride going even higher for a while longer yeah definitely yeah even though i mean it comes out the 27th so that's you know a couple weeks after the movie comes out but i mean that just means i'll be seeing it for like the fourth or fifth time by then exactly <laughs> and pro what i hope for what i usually like when we get these tie-in books you read it it makes you want to see the movie again and you go to see it again and get more out of it now that you have a little more information from the tie-in books mm -hmm. yeah that's that's how they probably are planning it and you know hoping that's, that's how it'll go yeah so. it's supposed to how it's be done yeah exactly <laughs> what they hope for um, all right, so we talked about episode nine. We talked about the Last Jedi. We'll talk briefly about the Han Solo movie because we don't really have any news here aside from a couple of interesting tweets from Ron Howard. <clears throat> um, one I'll just briefly mention. This was from a couple weeks ago, um, or maybe not a couple weeks. Maybe this was just last week. I just lost my spot. Oh yeah, September sixteenth. I don't know why that seems like a while ago. That was like four days ago. Um, <laughs> But he just posted a picture of himself with Paul Bettany, and he said, had to say goodbye to my friend Paul Bettany today. Another terrific performance from a world-class talent. And we know that he just got brought in on the Han Solo movie not that long ago. I mean, I feel like it hasn't even been a month. So, um, you know, he probably won't have that big of a role in the movie, but hopefully an important one that'll, you know, leave a, a lasting impression. Um, but so he's already wrapped up with his work. Um, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but Donald Glover is also done shooting all his scenes as Lando. Um, but as far as we know, the, the entire movie has not wrapped production yet. Um, so we will see how that goes. Um, I don't know how much time they have left if they have a, a date they're supposed to be done by or whatever, no. but I'm honestly still surprised that this movie is still scheduled for a release next May. Um, yeah, part of me thinks that the longer we go out, the more likely it is still going to come out in May. But at the same time, too, we still keep seeing that they're, they're filming. So is the eventual delay going to come still later than expected? Who knows? So, yeah, maybe once they wrap up filming, maybe that's when they'll decide, you know, maybe we should push it back to December. But, yeah, I still hope I know I say this a lot, but I still hope it keeps that May release date. So just once I can get those Star Wars movies, two of them six months apart from each other i want that so bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you might get your wish we'll see um but anyway uh then the other thing that he just tweeted today uh which i think was really cool he posted a picture and i think this is yeah this looks like concept art you think Let's, so well it's hard to no you know no, I, I, think I can't it's tell. It's set. it's hard to tell if it's concept art or a set photo. I think maybe just because it's dark and it's kind of grainy looking, and so it's hard to tell if it's just a grainy photo or if it's like just some detail, like a detailed painting. 
No, I actually think it's a set photo. It could be. I'm I'm looking at it now. It's still hard to tell. I mean, I think maybe the the biggest thing is like you don't see any actors or characters in it or anything like that. Um, but you know what? Knowing Ron Howard, it probably is a set photo, just because he said he tweets yeah. out a lot of those. Um, but it's a a picture of what looks to be some sort of elevator, like mine shaft kind of thing. Um, and you can see, you know, it's at the end of this corridor with just kind of jagged rocky walls and the the caption that he tweeted it with just says spicy question mark so we're going to the spice mines of kessel kids (laughs) and be smashed into who knows what (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's one of those things where when i first saw it like oh that's cool i don't know why i didn't pick up on the spicy reference but it took a a little while to actually uh, realize that oh it's the spice mines of castle that it could be referring to and then yeah i actually saw a tweet by uh, the fellow star wars fan i follow andrew uh, loopy actually sent a photo of like a reference book that said uh castle on there had artwork and images of what the planet looks like and it looks very similar to this screen screenshot that uh or i shouldn't say screenshot but <laughs> this photo that ron howard tweeted out of the set which looks to be castle and they matched up pretty good from that reference book so yeah, and then when he says the word spicy, I mean, it, it, you put two and two together, and it's going to be Castle. We're going to go to Castle, and will we see the famous Castle run made in 12 parsecs or 14, depending on who you ask? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the potential to see it, that actually takes place is just another cool thing that I think this movie is going to provide. And like I said before, the iconic moments that we knew happened in Star Wars but never see we're going to get in this movie, Han meeting Chewie, Han getting the Falcon, and then maybe the first ride in the Falcon is the Kessel Run, and that's you know what makes Han fall in love with the ship so much and how he can't fly any other ship because of what he did in this Kessel Run. So, yeah, I think it's just really cool that we're getting the tease of that planet finally being shown in a movie. It could be really, really awesome. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because of all the stuff that you just mentioned and all the stuff that we had thought about, um, as, you know, cool moments that we'd want to see in this movie if it's, you know, kind of a Han origin story, you know, him uh, meeting up with Chewie for the first time, him and Lando together, him getting the Falcon for the first time. I don't know that I ever even considered him making the Kessel Run. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had you. thought about maybe uh, the thing they talk about in A New Hope of, you know, him being on the run from the Empire and dropping his spice shipment at the first sign of uh, of an Imperial Star Destroyer, and that's what, you know, makes Jabba want to get him. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I had even thought about the Kessel Run. And that could be... That could be really cool. I mean, that could even make for a good, you know, climax, you know, space chase sequence kind of thing sure. for the end of the movie, depending on, you know, where the plot goes. So... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, definitely. And Ron Howard, keep these tweets coming. You're, <laughs> that's good. It's going to be sad when the production does wrap, and that's going to be it for Ron Howard's tweets. Unless he gives us some a lot of post-production images of like monitors from far away where you kind of have to squint to make out what's on there. I mean, he's kind of done that already from behind the camera, but maybe he'll do more of those in post-production, and we'll get even more looks at the characters. Because mm-hmm. this has been <laughs> it's been so much fun following Ron Howard on Twitter and seeing all this. I mean, he's tweeted so much that even StarWars.com now had to create a post that <laughs> recounted all the tweets that he made and behind-the-scenes look for this movie. So, yeah, like you said, 
wondering when they're going to wrap up production. You would think it would be pretty soon because, uh, again, going back to that May release date, if it's still going to stick, the promotion should be starting pretty soon for this movie, at least mm-hmm. title and teaser sometime by the end of this year, I would think, because they only have a few months once we hit 2018 to get the ball fully rolling out on the promotional stuff for this. So, yeah, I think not only is, you know, we're entering full-blown Last Jedi a promotional uh, a blitz about to happen in the next few weeks, but we might even be getting a little Han Solo movie uh, stuff within that too. Unless, like I said, they come out and push it back and that would be the big Han Solo uh, news for 2017. But if not, we should kind of be getting a little mix of both by the time the year's over, which should be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see when they, they start doing that. Because um, I, still, I still think we... I, I don't know that we're going to get our first teaser for it like any earlier than when we're in theaters watching The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's um, what I would expect it. That's going to be the earliest. Yeah. Tomorrow. And so, you know, I mean, and maybe we'll get a poster and a title before that. But uh, yeah, you know, they don't want to like confuse people or take away from uh, the anticipation for The Last Jedi that's building up right now. So yeah, they're going to have kind of a short window. And yeah, the fact that they're still in production on this right now, like it's almost October um, and, you know, this is supposed to be coming out next May, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe it'll still end up getting pushed back. Maybe it's just not as effects and CG heavy, or maybe they're, you know, already starting to do, you know, post-production work on like the stuff that they've filmed so Mm -hmm. far. Um, Yeah, who knows? I just, I hope they give themselves enough breathing breathing room that they're able to you know get it done and have it be good and not have to rush through it but um either way i will say i think we'll probably still continue to see those updates from ron howard um just because you know i mean not everything that he posts are set images um or you know things like that i mean sometimes it's just hey here's you know it'll it'll be a shot of like the costume rack or i think we talked about on one of our previous episodes um a time when he tweeted a picture of you know like a chewy action figure that he was playing with and saying you know he was using it to block out a scene and so um and just those little glimpses into the process i think he'll still probably be doing some of those through uh throughout the post-production heck we'll probably get the title revealed by one of ron howard's tweets they'll just capture an image of you know a script or something that has the actual name of it. Or, hey, there you go. Uh, I mean, it always seems fitting now if it does get revealed that way. <laughs> After all the stuff Ron Howard has gives, given us a sneak peek of, have them do something, like reveal something officially. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too. I honestly believe that, at least at the beginning of the of production, I don't think the movie had a title. Um, Aside from just, you know, they knew it was going to be a Han Solo standalone movie. Um, and they may, I mean, kind of like with the force awakens, I don't think they had the title for that until, you know, at least sometime during production or after production. Um, whereas with the last Jedi, even though we didn't find that out until a little bit later, Ryan Johnson said that had been his title from the get go. Um, and with rogue one, I feel like we knew pretty early on, like at celebration in 2015, that was when they uh, revealed the title of that, right? No, I think we actually knew before that, if I remember. Oh, okay. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. So even more because... to the point, if it was even earlier than that, um, I'm like, that was, you know, I mean, Celebration was April of that year. And, uh, you know, Rogue One came out over a year and a half after that. And, uh, you know, now we're in 
September, almost October of this year, and the Han Solo movie is supposed to be coming out in May. So I'm, th- I mean, they might have a title by this point, but I really don't think they had one so. just when they. <laughs> I, I really don't think they had one just when they wrote the script or uh, you know when they started production on it. So. Yeah, I would hope so. They have one by now, and <laughs> they're just holding on to it. Hopefully, you know, uh, Ron Howard still keeps labeling all his tweets with the hashtag "Untitled Han Solo Movie." Yeah, and it's just going to be called Han Solo. Why? <laughs> you all think yeah. it's going to be something different, but it's just going to be Han Solo. Yeah, or just Solo. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'll it'll probably end up being one of those two. And if it's that simple, just tell us already. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I would not be surprised if we find that out on the first teaser while we're sitting in the theater waiting for The Last Jedi to start. I say either that way or once they do officially wrap production, they'll make a press release announcement on StarWars.com and finally reveal the title of it, kind of like they did with The Force Awakens. That's true. Yeah, that that could be a good one too. Um, So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that's not too far away one way or the other because, I mean, how much longer are you going to stay in production on this thing and... uh, keep shooting for a may release date i know yeah well anyway i think that just about wraps up all the movie stuff um now let's talk a bit about star wars rebels which as we said is uh airing october 16th and yeah this is they're they're doing some weird stuff with the schedule this year um and they just posted this on starwars.com today um, they released the full schedule for the first half of the episodes of Star Wars Rebels Season 4. And it looks like they're only going to be five weeks of, of, you know, of episodes for this first half of the season. And they're going to be airing almost two episodes a night aside from the last uh, week of this first block. So Monday, October 16th, we've got Heroes of Mandalore, Parts 1 and 2. Monday the 23rd, In the Name of the Rebellion, Parts 1 and 2. Monday the 30th, uh, two episodes called The Occupation and Flight of the Defender. And then Monday, November 6th, uh, two episodes called Kindred and Night... Sorry, Kindred and Crawler Commander... Crawler Commandeers. And then uh, Monday, November 13th, uh, they wrap up with just one episode called Rebel Assault. Um, and as of now, I mean, it seems like that would just be one half-hour episode because I think if it were a full hour, it would probably be parts one and two again. Mm. Um, and then it says, look for new episodes every Monday with five airings throughout the day at 12.30 a.m., 3 o'clock a.m., 7.30 a.m., 5.30 p.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Disney XD, the Disney XD app, and Video On Demand. And StarWars.com's Rebels Recon behind-the-scenes series will be posted after the 9 p.m. broadcast, and episode guides will be published on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. Pacific. So, what the heck is going on with that? I know. <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, it's, it's well, it's really weird, but at the same time, it like it doesn't feel like a bad thing, necessarily. Oh, no, yeah. Like... The yeah, only thing is... It's just, you know, sometimes when shows get switched around in their time slots and stuff, it's, you know, you wonder if it's like because it wasn't doing well or, you know, it's like they're thinking about canceling it, but it's like, oh, let's try it in a different time slot first and see if it does better or something like that. But I mean, they're not going to cancel Rebels because it's the last season anyways, but also it's like it's taking up five time slots throughout the day. Like, 
Yeah, I, like you trying to get a, that much more exposure now in its last season? I guess. <laughs> reason, or but. is Disney XD just running out of other stuff to show? You know, I mean, who the heck is going to be watching Rebels at three in the morning? <laughs> oh, there'll be someone. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, well, you know what? I mean, I can't really complain about this because it's it says at twelve thirty. Uh, yeah, the first one's at twelve thirty a.m., but all these are Eastern time, mm-hmm. so that's like nine thirty p.m. for us. Exactly. Yeah, so, I can yeah. watch it Sunday night before I go to bed. Yeah, to me that time slot's perfect. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's still, I liked having Rebels on the weekend. I thought season three airing on Saturdays was really cool. So yeah, we're still gonna get that just on Sunday, and nine thirty is not a bad hour. So I'm not complaining about that at all. Yeah, and definitely. the fact that we're getting two episodes a night. I mean. It's more Star Wars that we'd have to wait so much longer to get these these story arcs that um, sounds like, you know, as we've heard from people who see the season premiere and from Dave Filoni saying how this season, you know, is really going to be kicked into high gear throughout most of the season. There's not going to be too many, quote unquote, filler episodes. So we'll probably be anxious to see what episodes are next. And the fact that we get two a night doesn't mean we are have to wait long for it. So it's all great for getting more Star Wars content. But the only negative is going to be that. This season is probably going to feel so short and that it's going to fly by so fast because we're getting mm-hmm. to a night. As cool as that's going to be, it's probably going to seem like a really shortened season. And I believe it's only 13 episodes again. So uh, it's not going to be the normal or 22 that we got the last two. It's going to be harkening back to season one when we only had 13. So Oh, is so, it? I thought it was. Why did I think it was a little bit? I thought it was like 16 or something you know what? i'm gonna look this up now. yeah maybe it is 16 but uh, for some reason i thought it was 13 like how season one was but regardless it's definitely going to be shorter than what season three and or two and three were but and we're getting two a night so the first half like you said only five weeks that's gonna fly by really quick and we'll see when it kicks back up again in 2018 it doesn't give a return date it just says you know early 2018 so probably sometime maybe middle of january late january so I give The Last Jedi a couple of weeks to run its course, and then we'll get back into Rebels, which I'm sure we'll have some Last Jedi tie-ins on the second half of the season, like uh, Seasons 2 and 3 had with The Force Awakens and Rogue One. So, yeah, just kind of got to enjoy this moment while we can, because this is it for new Star Wars Rebels. After this, it's, we're going to have to wait to see what the new series is. But I'm kind of in the mindset now, yeah, it's going to be awesome, but at the same time, try to take it all into. Don't let it just zip by and... Uh, just seemed like it just went super, super fast. Got to try to enjoy it while we can, since this is the last season. Got to try to, you know, absorb it all in, and hopefully these episodes live up to the expectations that's been built on them so far. You know, Dave Filoni's been uh, in his certain press events and interviews saying how he's really proud of the season and can't wait to everyone to see the final seasons of Rebels. And I remember if I, I think it was a tweet by Tracy Kenobio at Lucasfilm who was saying how the last episode or dave said at the fan expo in canada that the last scene has been shot but uh only a handful handful of people actually know what that is according to tracy Kenobio on twitter that Hmm. probably dave and just a few other executives at lucasfilm and lucasfilm animation that know what the last shot or how it's all going to end is going to be so it's going to be interesting to see how much they're going to keep that under wraps the closer we get to the series finale and if it's going to be Kind of what they did with the whole Ahsoka versus Darth Vader thing, where we knew they were going to fight, but we didn't know the outcome of Ahsoka's fate. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how they promote that as a series finale. And the last half of season four, I can't wait for that trailer because 
those ones end up being the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, like definitely. How the season's going to wrap up. They were made for some pretty big moments. So, And you know this is going to end on a bang. So it should be exciting to get not only get through the first half, but once we get into the second half, let's get that trailer and then just get even more excited for its final run. So, yep, got to try and enjoy it while we can because it's going <laughs> to be, be here and be gone before we know it. Yeah, definitely. Man, I can't find this. I'm still looking online and trying to find how many episodes this season is going to be because I thought they talked about that at uh, Celebration. Oh, yeah. wait, hang on. So I see on Variety, uh, it says the final 15 episodes. This is just a, a Variety article from back in April. So this was like when they announced season four at Celebration. Yeah. Um, and it says the final 15 episodes will serve as a bridge to the event scene in last year's standalone film Rogue One as well as A New Hope. So maybe that's how many episodes it is. I just yeah. I seem to remember that it was going to be shorter than seasons two and three, but longer than season one. Yeah, for some reason I got season one as the you know, benchmark for how many episodes are going to be for season four. So I assume 13, but it's probably going to be in that round, that ballpark of 13 to 16, maybe. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess the only reason that kind of came as a surprise to me, like, and again, I vaguely remember them saying that back at the celebration panel, but then just seeing these episodes here. And I mean, the way that they're paired up and that it's only going to be on for five weeks, I just kind of assumed like there'd be a similar amount of episodes when it came back in, you know, January or whenever it is. But um, yeah, there's only going to be another, you know, small handful of episodes leading up to the finale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And according to Dave Filoni, some of the interviews he gave, I believe if I remember right, he's kind of saying how the first half or the first few episodes are, you know, we know it's going to start with Sabine and Mandalore and a lot dealing with the Rebel Alliance. And, you know, from the trailer, we saw that Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma are going to have some pretty big roles in it. And I'm excited for the final episode of the first half called Rebel Assault, mainly because it harkens back to those early PC games, Rebel Assault and mm-hmm. Rebel Assault 2. Oh, I man, played. I thought about that, too. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any, you know, connected to it in any small way, maybe bring some uh, stuff from those into the canon. We'll see. But it should be, you know, just a massive, you know, rebel versus empire battle that I'm expecting for that. But in the second half, Dave Filoni says the final batch of episodes are really going to focus on Ezra and his journey, which, you know, obviously you have a lot to do with the force. So I'm hoping, you know, more cool force uh, stories that we're going to get with him and Kanan. Hopefully, you know, we'll get the resolution on Ahsoka told in those. That's what I'm thinking. They're mm-hmm. saving that for the second batch of episodes. And like I said, when we get that second half trailer, we'll probably get an Ahsoka tease somehow in there, which is going to be awesome. So, yeah, I think that'd be a, a great way to, you know, sort of break up the two halves of the seasons, have the first half be all about the rebels and the rebellion building themselves up and then, you know, close it out with Ezra and his story and, you know, having to deal with the force and to see where him and Kanan are going to end up by the time the series is done and what their status is going to be as Jedi when the series is over. I'm, I know that's a big question I have, and I'm sure a lot of other fans are going to have once this, once not only when the series started, but now that it's finally going to be ending mm-hmm. just to see what's going to happen to them and how it relates to, you know, Luke and becoming, you know, the last hope for the Jedi and see where Kanan and Ezra are going to be in that. Well, I'm kind of, I think I said this last time, but I don't think Kanan's going to be around when Luke <laughs> starts his force training. But Ezra, I think, will survive. It's just a matter of what he's going to do with himself by the time the series is over. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, man, yeah, that's... And just more Star Wars goodness to heap on top of The Last Jedi and all this other stuff we got going on. Um, yep. uh, how cool is that? I might say this every time we were at this point of the year since The Force Awakens came out, but... You know, we're looking forward to that movie coming out in December, but we got Star Wars Rebels coming to hold us over till then to the release. But then once last the last Jedi comes out, it's you know kind of winding down its theater run. Well, Star Wars Rebels kicks uh, kicks back into gear. <laughs> we got more of those cool Star Wars stories to look forward to. It's just nonstop Star Wars goodness, which uh, even if I say it tons of times, it never gets old. And feeling like <laughs> it's something that I'm getting tired of. It just keeps on giving and giving, and continues to be amazing to be living in this era. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you can never have too much good Star Wars stuff. Nope. Um, all right. Well, last thing we got to talk about here, and I know for us, you know, we're, we're going to probably wrap this episode up under two hours, so nobody, nobody have a panic <laughs> attack. Um, but, of course, you know, we got to talk some Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and, of course, we're going to be talking about it a lot more in the next couple weeks as we get ready for the beta but um just over the past couple days uh you know i've been getting a little bit more information from the ea star wars twitter account um i think first on the 18th which was monday they posted just a, a list of question marks um there's you know lines of of like five question marks six question marks um, and then they followed that up with a tweet that said, Classified Star Wars Battlefront 2 Galactic Assault Locations Begin Decoding. Um, and I think some people decoded this pretty quickly. I saw some other articles and YouTube videos and stuff where people were like, oh, we know what all the planets are. Um, but the ones that have been officially revealed up to this point, uh, we got Naboo, Kamino, Kashyyyk, Endor, Death Star 2, Hoth, Mos Eisley, and Yavin 4. And there are still three more that are covered up with question marks, but I think it's a pretty safe bet to say those are Jakku, Takodana, and Starkiller Base. Um, and I gotta say, this is a pretty good list of, uh, you know, of, of planets here that we're going to be able to play on. Um, and it's not just, I mean, this isn't necessarily a list of all the playable planets in the game. These are the ones just for the Galactic Assault, which is, you know, the big mode that they showed off at the E3 demo and stuff. Um, you guys probably know by this point, I've, I've said it enough times, I'm, the, part of me is just super disappointed to not see Geonosis on this list as a huge fan of, you know, the prequel era and the Clone Wars and stuff. I'm like, yeah, Naboo is cool, but, like, clone troopers didn't even fight the Battle of Theed. So why can't we have Geonosis instead? But I also have the utmost faith in EA that that is going to be the first thing we see as the free DLC content once they get to the Clone Wars season or whatever they're calling them now. Um, I mean, we know the first free DLC they're going to release is going to be tied into The Last Jedi coming out in December, but um, yeah, once they get to that Clone Wars content, come on guys, I need Geonosis in there. But other <laughs> than that, this is this is a good list. Um, I mean, they have said that this game is going to launch with you know three times the amount of content that the first Battlefront game did, um, and I mean, so far it looks like there that wasn't just empty boasting i mean we know we've got three errors now instead of just one we've got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven planets as opposed to the four that we had in the first game <laughs> um, when that game launched plus we've got a full-fledged 
story campaign that's you know being worked on by a completely different studio so you know that's not just going to be some tacked on thing like that's you know looks really in depth and really cool um so yeah and of course more space battles and you know more ships more vehicles all that kind of stuff so i am still super excited for this game just give me the beta already just let's just jump to november and you know just play the full game and i cannot wait to just experience all of this um man yeah i'm i'm super pumped and even though i'm disappointed there's no geonosis i also can't wait to play on camino and kashik and you know just all these other places too yeah i mean you alluded to it but we've certainly come a long way since that first uh initial planet list for battlefront one where it's only four and the <laughs> disappointment that set over amongst a bunch of fans looking forward to it. Even us, I remember, like, really, four? That's it? But it's going to have, you know, four planets, but there's going to be several map locations on there. So, But now that we have nine, or that was nine, right? Or was it more than that? No, this is, it's uh, 11. Okay, yeah, even better. So <laughs> Yeah, there's three for the prequels, three for the sequel trilogy, and then five from the original trilogy. I mean, yeah, so... They've come such a long way since Battlefront 1, which is what we were hoping for that game. And again, it looks like we're getting it now. And they're just really delivering on the potential that we all knew was there for the first game. But now we're actually going to get it in Battlefront 2. And we've seen Naboo already and, you know, the E the E3 demo and trailer that came out. But I'm so anxious to see Kamino. We've seen the Starfighter Assault trailer. We've seen like CG cutscenes of it, but I can't wait to actually see gameplay of clone troopers running on Camino mm-hmm. with the rain crashing down and lightning in the background, waves coming at you. It's going to look so, so amazing. And Kashyyyk, we've barely seen anything on it too. Just one quick shot in the first EA or E3 trailer, but no actual gameplay there. And that's going to look amazing too. So yeah, that's just the prequel era stuff. <laughs> We're not going to lie. That's what I'm most excited about in the game. But then oh, like, me too. We, all the other stuff that's going to come with it is going to be so, so fun. And I'm ready for this game because I got to say, I'm finally jumping in into the 4K era. Of oh, gaming. nice. So I, I got my 4K TV. My old one was kind of going out. And like there's like these blue lines coming across the sides of it. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't good. But they were just telling me, yeah, you need to upgrade your TV and get ready for 4K. So I got that. I pre-ordered my Xbox One X today once those came out. So nice. I'm ready to jump in. And Battlefront 2 was going to be the perfect first game to test out the TV and the new Xbox on and showing how amazing, I guess, 4K, 4K gaming can be. So I'm with you, Kyle. Let's skip to November. Well, I shouldn't say skip because, you know, as we talked about, October is going to be pretty darn awesome <laughs> in itself. But November is going to continue that once we get our hands on the actual full game of Battlefront 2. And it's, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need the uh, <clears throat> maybe we need the beta to kind of ease us into it gently first, because I mean, playing all these maps at once for the first time and it just might be too much to take in all at once. <laughs> yeah, what does be? You know, part of me thinks you know it's going to be hard for me to want to play any other map besides you know Camino, Kashyyyk, and Naboo because <laughs> I've been wanting to to play on those for so mm-hmm. long since the first one. But yeah. Maybe you're right. We'll get our taste of Naboo on the beta, and then we'll be ready for all the rest that comes out on the actual game. Oh, no. Well, still, I mean, we'll play Naboo on the beta, and then once the actual game comes out, the first thing I'm jumping into is Kamino and Kashyyyk and uh, whatever space battle maps we get. And actually, so this is just the the officially revealed stuff. 
there have also been some a lot of different articles that I've been seeing about leaks and and things like that. Um, and this art, I mean, this was just posted on Reddit a few days ago. We don't really know the source, so I I would take this with a grain of salt. But whoever posted this, they put, posted a bunch of screenshots along with it that look legit to kind of prove that they're not just making this up. Um, and this is a full list of all the um, heroes, maps, game modes, all that kind of stuff that's going to be included in the game at launch. And I'm not going to go through and read all of these, but uh, just for the sake of discussion, I mean, I do want to point out a few things like for the light side heroes, they've got listed Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, Finn, Rey, and Yoda. Uh, for the dark side heroes, Vader, Palpatine, Boba, Bosk, Iden Versio, who's, uh, you know, the Imperial commander from the uh, the campaign, the main protagonist that you play as, um, and then Phasma, Maul, and Kylo Ren. Also, they're including Finn and Phasma here, but, you know, we know those are going to be added through the first DLC pack. Um, and also, I mean, the first thing that stood out to me here was I'm kind of disappointed that Yoda and Maul are the only two heroes from the prequel era that are included at launch. I mean, also, you've only got Rey and uh, Kylo from the sequel trilogy, aside from Finn and Phasma, but, like, I mean, that kind of makes more sense, because we haven't seen as many new characters from there yet, but with all the characters, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Maul, Grievous, Jango Fett, Dooku, Ventress, you know, all those guys, and, like, all we get to start is Yoda and Maul? Um... You know, I, I was I was kind of hoping for like maybe at least Obi Wan and Grievous or something like that, but again, lot, just you know, more opportunities for them to add stuff through DLC down the line. And now this makes more sense if this actually ends up being accurate. Uh, this makes more sense as to why they're doing the whole thing where like when you play Galactic Assault and all those, um, you know, the the eras are sort of specific to the canon where you know you're just playing clones against droids or rebels against stormtroopers but then when you play as the heroes you can pick any hero you want because i you know as much as i would love to see the heroes be era specific and you know i'm not crazy about the idea of playing as a battle droid and suddenly getting killed by ray out of nowhere while i'm trying to you know, enjoy my Clone Wars action. Um, I also don't want to be limited to just playing as Maul and Yoda. So, um, I don't know, hopefully maybe down the line, once they add a bunch in through a bunch more heroes in through DLC, then maybe they can separate it out and have those be era specific like that. Um, but you know, still again, when you compare it to the first game and when, you know, the heroes that we had were Luke Han and Leia and Vader, Boba Fett and Palpatine, um, you know, we got a lot more variety here. Uh, they have a list of ground locations, which pretty much matches up with what we just read on the Twitter account, except they also have Bespin listed on here, which makes me wonder if that's maybe inaccurate or if there's maybe a Bespin map that's not just for the Galactic Assault game mode. Um, especially because it seems like the Galactic Assault is going to revolve heavily around, you know, vehicles and you're going to have a big... You know, whether it's a droid transport or an AT-AT or something like that that's going to be part of the battle. Um, and even though they actually did have a Walker Assault map on Bespin in Battlefront 1, I mean, you never that was never a big battle in the movie or anything. So I mean, maybe there'll be just a smaller Bespin map that you play Blast on and just in the hallways or something like that of Cloud City. Um, 
and then you know of course they like i said they listed all the the vehicles the um units weapons all that kind of stuff um that i'm not going to go through all of those here but those all look pretty cool um but the one thing i do want to mention um we talked about the the ground locations then the locations for the space battles they've got fondor which is that imperial shipyard that we saw in the demo uh the death star 2 debris the resurgent star destroyer which is the uh the first order star destroyer then star killer base uh dakar ryloth and camino um it looks like are going to be the uh the locations for space battles and then i guess camino probably is going to be more just a an aerial battle um and maybe that's going to be the same for star killer base too i don't know we'll see how yeah. that goes um but i mean and that like i think that would be cool though because you know, I liked that in the Force Awakens and in the first Battlefront game, it was kind of cool to have those fighter squadron matches just above the surface of a planet. And I don't think they should completely do away with that. I just want to see more space battles because it's Star Wars and we should have space battles. Um, so, yeah, I'm cool with having a space battle above Ryloth and then a, you know, aerial battle above the surface of Kamino. I think that's going to be awesome. Um and then just last thing here, they've got the game modes listed. And I think we did hear that they were going to trim down the game modes on this one, um, that there was not going to be as much variety in that regard um, because, you know, they said one of the issues with Battlefront 1 is sometimes it's hard to find people to play with because there's so many different game modes and so not everybody's all in the same place. And when there aren't a lot of people on at the same time, you know, they might just be kind of scattered and you don't get a lot of big matches. So um, it looks like... they plenty of those matches when we <laughs> were playing a lot during the early days of Battlefront. Yeah, for sure. Even recently, too. Like, just to get into a drop zone match, it seems to be impossible. Oh, yeah. Some of those smaller matches that were, like, the ones that first launched with the game you know uh the drop zone and uh cargo and you know some of those ones i mean you hardly ever get into a full match anymore it seems like everybody's just playing the dlc stuff because i can still find a lot of full matches doing uh you know the uh scarif dlc or the bespin dlc um and i mean not that i play a whole lot anymore now compared to how much we used to play when the game first came out but i still pick it up every once in a while um and yeah like i i usually lately i've been going back to playing a lot of bespin um but yeah those dlc packs that seems to be kind of what people's favorite thing is nowadays but uh then lastly like i said so the game modes that they list here are just heroes and villains galactic assault starfighter assault blast and then this mode called strike and i don't know what that is um but I don't know, that might be some kind of new objective-based thing. Um, and honestly, I mean, I do like playing those kind of, you know, drop zone and cargo and stuff like that. But also, you know, as long as the Galactic Assault and the Starfighter Assault and all that kind of stuff, as long as it's fun um, and, you know, you can keep finding full matches and, you know, just and there's a lot of variety and, uh, you know, obviously the gameplay that we've seen so far looks really cool. I mean, I don't necessarily mind... Uh, them sort of trimming the fat in that area although i do hope that again you know as they're adding more content through dlc um that we you know maybe get a couple new game modes along the way too just like we did from the first one yeah it's definitely the smart move i think to go to not have as many modes on the, the first one because like you said it became an issue to find any players for a lot of those so like i said i just hope uh i mentioned drop zone earlier it doesn't it doesn't look like that's on the list but 
I, part of me still hopes that's in there because that was fun. That was our go-to match for <laughs> a, a good while when we were playing. So I would like to see it return this time playing with clone troopers. So part of me is still hoping that somehow, some way there'll be either drop zone or a new version of drop zone in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fun. But, but this, uh, article on reddit the thing that jumped out to me when i first saw it was they had some images and there was a caption that said you know captain phasma at first look and i clicked on it and it was just phasma without her cape on and that took me by surprise like what <laughs> we're gonna this some type of tease for episode eight are we gonna see her in action without her cape on but i was when i first saw it, i was kind of going through my looking on it out of my phone so i guess i didn't get a good look at it but you pointed out to me that it's actually, you know, kind of an early rendition of Phasma and her model. It is pretty much just the first order stormtrooper painted silver <laughs> and mm-hmm. not necessarily being the true Captain Phasma model. So when I saw that, I was like a uh, little disappointed at the same time, too. There's a moment in the Phasma book where she didn't have her cape on that made me think, well, maybe she, there will be moments in the game or in episode eight where she doesn't wear it. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it, did, it was a weird sight seeing Phasma even though it was just a normal stormtrooper painted silver with that chrome look. At first glance, I thought it was Phasma, and it, she looked strange without her cape. So if that does end up being the case, it might take a little getting used to the scene without her trademark cape and her chrome armor. <laughs> yeah, I would think they'd have to put that cape in there. I mean, yeah, like like I pointed out, it says super early Phasma. Note how she's only a recolored First Order stormtrooper for now. Um and obviously, I mean, just because the beta is going to be coming out soon, you know, the game is still a couple months away from launch. And then, uh, you know, I, I think it's another month or so after that before The Last Jedi content comes out. So they're still working on getting stuff finished up, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'll have Phasma with her cape in there. That's kind of part of her iconic look, I feel like. And it's oh, not yeah, like they totally. can't and it's not like they can't do capes because, I mean, we got Vader and, you know, all other kinds of people in there. Uh, definitely yeah it just took me by surprise when i first saw it. but it makes sense now well i should say it makes sense when you told me that it was just the first order stormtrooper but when i was reading the book before you told me that and i got to a moment where she didn't have her cape on it made me think of that battlefront image i saw like oh there might be more to this look of phasma without her cape like i said mm-hmm. maybe it's teasing something for that we'll see in the last jedi and who knows maybe that'd still be the case but i agree probably in the game she's gonna be you know wearing her cape because i'm sure she'll have her blaster and maybe uh her spear that uh we got that image of, of i believe it was vanity fair if i remember right mm-hmm. um yeah it was but so maybe she will have some melee combat in there too but for the most part you know the battlefront is mainly about you know blaster combat and long range uh attack so wouldn't it be too many instances where you know if she does indeed in the movie have like a melee fight and she removes her cape it won't be too many of those circumstances in Battlefront, too. I mean, there probably will be a few because, you know, there's been some epic Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader lightsaber duels in some matches, but sometimes they don't happen too often. So I'm not sure they'll just actually create a new model or do a quick animation that has Phasma <laughs> remove her cape if she does encounter another hero character that requires a melee combat. But if they really wanted to go cinematic, they would, but I kind of have a feeling they won't, especially for multiplayer. Yeah, probably not. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they will put it in there without it i mean because we haven't seen how she's going to look in the last jedi we didn't actually see her in action at all in the force awakens um she just kind of stands there in her cape looking cool but who knows maybe when she goes into battle and you know is is 
going to be getting down and dirty, maybe she does take her cape off because, you know, as a famous costume designer once said, no capes. (laughs) (laughs) Still words to live by. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, like I said, you know, just some some uh well some new official details on battlefront there and then some leaked stuff and you know like i said take all that with a grain of salt but it does kind of sound i mean none of it sounds outlandish or you know like it would be off the mark so um you know looking forward to seeing how much of that ends up actually being accurate and seeing all that stuff in the game but uh, man i just can't wait to get my hands on this already and we are not too far away from that uh, with the beta coming up pretty soon here. So um, definitely excited for that. And, uh, you know, that'll probably be the n- focus of our next episode, but we'll see how things shake out over the next couple weeks. Um, but uh, anyway, Tim, I think we're just about ready to wrap up for now, but uh, you want to take us to the Twitter polls and responses and all that good stuff before we go? Yep, of course. So first up, I'll guess we'll go ahead and get to our responses regarding the news about J.J. Abrams taking over directing episode nine. So first off, uh, the poll that we have, uh, we put it up today asking, you know, how do you feel about J.J. Abrams returning to direct episode nine? So we had three choices at happy to have him back. He's the safest choice. And then I'm disappointed. So coming in last at 13% right now is I am disappointed. And then at 27%, he's the safest choice. But then at a whopping 60%, are happy to have him back. So I got to say, I'm a little surprised on this turnout right now. I I am too. I was expecting more of a split between happy to have him back and I'm disappointed. (laughs) I'm surprised I'm disappointed was so low to be honest. Mm -hmm. And actually when I first posted this today, I think the first, like I, I saw the results when, you know, there were maybe only 10 votes or something. And I think actually most people had said, um, just, Oh, he's just, he's the safe choice. Um, so I thought, yeah, maybe not that many people are like really excited to have him back. But now you see where we are here by the end of the day. Yep. So maybe it's something too where initial reactions when it was first announced a week ago was, you know, totally disappointing. But maybe those who were had time to think about it, maybe changed their thinking on it. Maybe expectations were put in check and kind of realizing what could be if, you know, done right. So maybe that led more to the safest choice and the happy to have him back. So, which is cool to see that it's more on a positive note. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I honestly think it's more of a situation where it's just a vocal minority, um, where the people that are really not happy are just, you know, making a lot of noise. And I mean, if you're listening to this and you are disappointed, I'm not saying that, you know, you're wrong or that, you know, I'm not trying to invalidate your opinion or anything. I'm just saying that in general, I haven't heard a whole lot of people being like, oh, yes, this is so awesome. You know, I've just heard a lot of people being like, oh, okay, cool. JD's back. But then I've also heard a lot of people being like, no, this is terrible. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes that voice can kind of drown out uh, the positives, even if there are more people that are just sort of generally content with it. They're maybe not as passionate as the people that really have a beef with it. Yeah. That's a good point, too. So it was pretty varied. I will say the first day I saw a lot of hate and a lot of, you know, excitement for JJ kind of didn't see too much of the middle ground. But uh, yeah, lately, though, I I think it's calmed down a bit, too. So (laughs) but some of the responses we got for JJ Abrams coming back on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, First off, Dylan Sparks at Suburban Home on Twitter says, well, I was wrong, but not sure how I feel about JJ again. 
And then Eric at London's Dark says, you know, I was listening to the Force Awakens score as the news broke. It was meant to be. <laughs> and then Jack uh, Hemsley at Jack Hemsley 4 said, uh, he did a good job the first time. Why not get him again? And then Martin Elman at Dharmit Studio says, safe choice, yes, but still a great choice. And on the bright side, JJ would have now have both done Trek and Wars twice. So that's cool. And then Michael at Jedi Obi Mike says, JJ played it safe the first time, but it was still amazing. If he goes out of the box this time, I'm sure it will be amazing as well. And then on Facebook, uh, Paul Gann uh, responded to the post about the news saying, I was kind of hoping for someone else just to mix it up. And then uh, Serial uh, D. Jen says, JJ's pretty much a guaranteed fun ride, so I'm glad. His movies aren't always deep, but they are pretty, they are still very well written, written and they have humor and fun. I'm totally down for that in my Star Wars. So yeah, it seems like for these our listeners and followers on Twitter and Facebook, the majority of them are pretty positive and excited about it. So yeah, which is you know good to see when it comes to you know news like this. But at the same time, like you were saying, Kyle, it's I'd see it, and there's really can't go blame too many people if they are disappointed for it too because you know everyone has different expectations for the movies for especially when it comes to star wars and the sequel trilogy and what they want to see and not everyone was you know happy with what jj did with the force awakens which is understandable but it's just always good to have more positivity than negativity when it comes to this stuff so i will say it was kind of pleasantly surprised at least on our end of the social media scape of things that it was more on the positive side Mm -hmm. we just attract the happy fans yeah, because we try to be happy on the podcast and on Twitter, so yeah. <laughs> hopefully it reflects to the listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, anyway, you know, thank you guys for, uh, as always, um, you know, just responding to the polls, sending us your thoughts, and, uh, you know, we just love to be able to interact with you guys and get your thoughts on uh, all this news and stuff that's going on. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, we're just about ready to wrap up here. Man, when was the last time we had an episode under two hours? Wow, I, know. I think we were trying to figure out when was the last time we had an episode under three hours, but now under two? Wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is the calm before the storm. Don't worry, yeah. we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> you know, again, we talked about all the huge stuff that's coming in October. So um, enjoy your, your normal length episode for now, and then we'll, we'll get back to some monster ones soon enough. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and as always, you can follow us on social media, um, you know, on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can email us at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com to, uh, you know, just follow along with all these news stories and updates and things that we're posting. Um, And, uh, yeah, we will be back again soon. Um, It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. We're enjoying the ride and glad you're along with us. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you guys next time and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.